0: Say It Loud Network presents Business of the Beat.
1: Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, carpe diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about Tell stories and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify
0: the industry. This week on Business of the Beast. I just know that this journey is not easy and it's more about the strength and the confidence that I have on a daily basis. So it allows me to, even if I think I'm going to fall, to then have this positive self-talk to say like, you can do this Shantae. And if- If you do fall, then you're going to get right back up and it'd be like a little, little scratch, little bruise.
1: Hello, and welcome to Business of the Beat. I am so excited for today's guest. I'm a fan girl, I'm inspired, and her name is Shantae Lundy. She's the creator and founder of Black Girls Sunscreen. And I am just So thrilled that she's here today. So let me give you a little bit about Shantae because she is just phenomenal in what she's built. So as I mentioned, she's the creator and owner of Black Girl Sunscreen. Like many women with darker skin tones, she often experienced the white residue left behind by traditional products. Armed with an MBA and a personal vendetta against the lack of options in skincare, Shantae decided to become a trailblazer in the industry and create a sunscreen for us, by us. A self-proclaimed risk taker and creative, Shantae has continued to fuel her passion by traveling the world educating women of color on the importance of wearing sunscreen. Thus, she has emerged as a thought leader in the beauty industry, and her success has been chronicled by Forbes, Business Insider, Teen Vogue, InStyle, and countless other national publications. At Black Girl Sunscreen, the mission is to educate consumers about safe skin practices and sun protection. They also want to provide an answer to a question they hear far too often. Do black people need sunscreen? Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 and yes. The mission has gained tremendous traction and the demand for black girl sunscreen has continued to grow. In January, 2021, BGS launched in several Ulta locations across the country and currently black girl sunscreen is the only indie black owned product sold in target sun care section full time. In addition to being a catalyst in the beauty industry, Shantae takes social missions just as seriously. And in 2020, she successfully challenged Instagram to verify deserving Black businesses with the blue check through her hashtag, Verify Black Brands campaign. In 2021, Shantae plans to further her social mission to promote diversity and inclusion of Black female founders in mainstream media. And with that, Shante, welcome to Business of the Beat. This is an honor. I am a fangirl. I'm a cheerleader. I feel like I'm like the number one consumer of the brand. I'm just so proud to see you winning. So
0: welcome. Thank you, Kendra. I feel like we've um, been like friends for a long time, right? But really have (laughs) never hung out. (laughs) Just had a conversations and passing and I I can't really remember how we met but I want to I want to see if you remember how we met. Oh of course I remember how
1: we met. 25 black women in beauty. Okay. And we were literally on the they were doing like a virtual I I think it because they had just launched. This was like before memberships. This was when they were doing the dinner. So I just remember you coming on and we were doing intros and you had just finished your raise and you gave this amazing, like very, I think it's like the side of entrepreneurship that people see, but then they don't see. And you talked about the good of that, the bad of that, and then kind of where you were. And it always just stuck with me and just being so proud of that moment of like realness. And I literally have been a fan, you know, ever since. And to your point, I feel like we're always in these like virtual conversations talking about doing things to change
0: the world. So I wanted to um, just confirm that it was at 25 Women in Beauty um because I was like okay I think it's this but it's been like what two years and and then yeah. we've been on some virtual things and then uh, we've done the mentorship program together you and, did you it? yes yeah and then we had a couple conversations so it's been just this, this journey together, and I'm yeah. excited to to be here and just to talk realness of, of yes. what we're going through, um, even both businesses, and seeing you in this entrepreneur space because you're like kind of behind the scenes, but you're kind of in front of the scene in, uh, in front of the scenes. <laughs> it's really interesting, just your dual roles, BeautyCon, like all of these things, right? Because yes. I know that there's even been a connection through BeautyCon once yes. upon a time. That's
1: right. We did because I'm a shareholder (laughs) in BDCon. um, And, you know, I've known Moj for like over a decade because the first company I started in 2009, 2010, Moj was actually coming on to be an investor. And then she didn't end up investing. But we've literally been talk about a journey of entrepreneurship. We've been on both sides of the table. We've been on opposite sides. We've been friends. We've been allies. We've not been. We've had some of the most... and real debates I've ever had in business, Um, and at the end, we always end up together because we're always on the right side of wanting to move the industry forward, and in particular, like, with diversity, which you saw on Beauty United, and and it's funny, I was was talking to somebody because there's this sense that you have to pick one thing to do, and that's what you're going to do. And that's just not the way of life. And we talk a lot about on the podcast, you know, it's someone said it's a jungle gym. It's not a ladder in terms of the pivots of our career. And that pivot is really what does it. And for me, I do have my hands in multiple things, but they're all centered on this notion, really, of diversity, brand building, growing, and having conversations like this. So it's funny that you mentioned our, our beloved beauty con. <laughs>
0: Well, because, um, you know, starting out as a brand, I think that's always kind of like the event that's in lights. Like, oh, if I can activate at BeautyCon, then I've made it. It's like this pie in the sky. Um, No, seriously. Like, that was the perception of BeautyCon whatever in 2019.
1: Okay. So tell me, I mean, I just... I'm so proud because one of the things that I just love about your story is how you talk about education. And it's education twofold, right? It's the education that you talk about in terms of going to school, getting degrees, having this amazing experience and a foundation. And then it's also the education that's woven through your brand, through educating people about skincare. So education feels like it's this amazing pillar of you as a person and how you've carried that into the brand. So talk to me about that, because so many entrepreneurs feel like they just want to jump right into business and they don't necessarily have the
0: foundation or the experience to truly run a business. And
1: you you have that. It was important to you.
0: Yeah. You know, I don't know if I necessarily correlate the two. I think it's been a really hot topic um, um, in the entrepreneurial space education versus non-education, can you be successful, profitable without having, you know, prestigious degrees, right? And um, from my perspective, um, you know, it's always been education first and then whatever else you're going to do because you need that piece of paper, that knowledge, that skill set to get you where you are trying to go. Um, And that was instilled by my grandparents, you know, it's not an option. Um, You're going to go to college. And then if you want to, um, we would love if you pursued the higher education. and that meant masters and then um, doctoral. So, that's kind of like, I won't say brainwash, but that was just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do as they instruct, like they know better. Like they have, they come with the wisdom. And I also feel like it was um, a part of them that they weren't able to do because neither of them graduated from college. Um, my family is um, military. Um, both uh, my mother and father were in the army. My grandfather was in the Marines, all my uncles in the army. So they just have a different um, walk of life than than I did. So so anyway, went to undergrad and um, I started off as an elementary education major, um, which I don't know. It was just kind of like I didn't have much direction there. It was just like, okay, I'm I'm here now. Now what? And um, during sophomore year, I realized that I just didn't have the patience for kids. Um, I'm the oldest of six, and uh, my younger siblings are about 15 years younger than I am. So while I was in college, they were like in first grade or something like that. And I was just like, oh, they're bad as shit. Like, I'm cool. (laughs) These people don't even listen, right? Like, that's really like the perception that I had. And I was like, okay, time to pivot, time to change. And then I went into business economics. And from what I understood, if you graduated with a business degree, you could pretty much do whatever you wanted. And back then, um, you know, being a saleswoman or salesman or businessman was, it didn't mean much, but it meant something. Entrepreneur wasn't even a word, right? Doctor, lawyer, um, even being a professor was cool right? Like that's where my pinnacle was. And I was like, okay, I could probably, you know, get on that trajectory. And, um, I got out and, um, the attention was like, okay, you need to get this, this job. Like you need to get a job with benefits. Yes, that was thing. Benefits. Right. Yes, that's the thing. So get out of college. I moved down to South Florida, which is also another big deal because here I am, um, you know, um, I'm originally from Newburgh, New York, which if you wanted to be something or do something, you had to leave Newburgh. Right. So I went to school upstate New York, three hours from Newburgh. And pretty much as soon as I um, graduated undergrad, I drove down to South Florida, Miami by myself with MapQuest directions. So no <laughs> way. <wave, laughs> yes, no oh, way. <laughs> 1892 SL Saturn. The damn w- windows were roll up and down. Right, like <laughs> this is old school, and my uncle was just like, "Hey, get on the ninety-five, drive south, and um, get off on one hundred twenty-fifth Street." Right, because my grandmother had a condo in Miami. I was like, "I got it. I could, I could figure this out." And when I tell you, you know, when I look back at you know that twenty-one-year-old Chante, like that was really brave, and I commend young people now for making these decisions um, to move from like state to state because. Um, people just don't do that. Some people stay right at home where they are and that's no knock, right? But this is someone uh, that was young, hungry and looking for more. Um, so when I got down to South Florida in Miami, during that time, I mean, it was lit. It was lit like every day. You could go to the club Tuesday through Sunday and easily be extremely distracted. Um, so I enrolled into a master's uh, MBA program in, uh, in Miami. So I was going to school um, part-time, so like Monday, Wednesday, Friday or whatever, like six to nine. And then I did um, part-time waitressing at a restaurant just to kind of like hold it down. And then when I graduated with my master's, um, I entered into um, the rental car space. And um, I did that because every other job I wanted was just like, hey, you have um, the degrees, but you don't have the experience. And as a young person, you're like, well, how do I do both? right? How do you have five years of working experience and have the education? This shit don't make no sense, right? And I feel like that's the struggle okay. still today. So education has been so important to me because that's how I, that was like my way of of progressing and I wouldn't change it. Um, and uh, after my Corporate America experience, um, I enrolled into a doctoral program and that shit was so hard. Oh, hard in the respect of time-consuming. It's a lot of research. And uh, simultaneously, I was launching Black Girl Sunscreen. So I had to make a decision on, hey, where do I want to put all my energy? Is it BGS? Is it um, this um, doctoral degree? Or is it even working at the time? Because I was doing three-in-one. So you can only imagine I had no time for anything else. You know, the education piece and even... My uh, my time in corporate has set me up for uh, where I am today because I've learned just time management skills, you know, being able to prior- prioritize certain tasks or whatever, you know, understanding um, people because being in different environments, you have to be able to adapt, understand how to communicate with people above and at your level and then coming up, right? I'm not going to say below because we're all human, but just understanding how to change your communication style to people that are in different places in their careers. So um, all my life uh, experiences have contributed to, to this woman that you see today.
1: I, I, there's so many things that you said that I think they just resonate. And I think it's important, especially when we talk about education and understanding you know, what's right for you. And that's, it's, it's been a topic that we've had with a few different guests, you know, guests that didn't graduate from college or didn't even go to college and have developed brands and then guests that have. And I think that it's really kind of figuring out like, where you need to be and what's going to fuel you and then recognizing i'm at a crossroads like even do i do i get a doctorate do i focus here and it's funny because just on a personal level my both my mother and father were in the military i was born in germany and it, it's such a different, um, I wouldn't say different because you really don't know the, the alternative, but I just remember so many parallels to that in terms of just how I approach work, like different things that I learn, um, the nuance in terms of getting things done, what it's going to take to get it done, and even the move. Like I literally, I got offered my job in New York when I I literally had two weeks to get there. And I didn't have the family that was like, we know 10 people in New York, you know, like I lived in Texas, and I had gone to school at Purdue in Indiana. And it was literally you have two weeks and I we loaded up the U-Haul, we drove with as much as we could. And I ended up like living in this nun's housing for professional women. And people are always like, I can't believe you didn't know anybody you got up. But it's like, that's what you have to do. And I think to your point, for some staying works. And then for others, it's that move. It's that, like, let me get up and experience what else is out here that has really shaped, you know, where I am now. Because I, you know, clearly we we would be successful in different ways, but the path and the journey to get there would have been so much different had we not left.
0: So, you know, I chalk that up to being a risk taker, right? Um, like, I will easily walk in a forest with not knowing how to get back out, and and not be afraid. I'll be cautious. Like, oh shit, it might get dark. Let me hurry up. Right, <laughs> but I am I am that person that is excited about not always understanding and knowing what's ahead. Um, so I am not that planner long term. Like, okay, I'll enroll into this program. It's two years. Okay, cool. I'm not sure what's going to happen after that two years, and I think that's how um what most people on this entrepreneurial journey do have in common, right? And it it, it doesn't have to be the education piece, but we're risk takers. Exactly.
1: I mean, and being a risk taker, like I have lived by the mantra carpe diem. Like anybody who knows me, that has been my whole jam is like carpe diem. I'm going to seize the day. And, you know, even the lesson that I learned when I was leaving Ralph Lauren was that, like, if it doesn't work, you can always do something else. And I think even, you know, one of the things that I that I read that you put on your Instagram was that when you fall, getting back up shows resilience and that the fall may hurt a bit or hurt badly, but as long as you get back, that's all that matters. So I think being a risk taker, this is such a great thing to live by because there's gonna be risks that work out and there's gonna be risks that don't work out. So talk about that notion of having this resilience that even if it, that risk
0: didn't work, you still got up and kept going. I, I can't say that there's things that don't work <laughs> right now. <it's> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> um, you know, I really have to, to think that, to think about that one because. I just know that this journey is not easy and it's more about the strength and the confidence that I have on a daily basis. So it allows me to even if I think I'm going to fall to then have this positive self-talk to say, like, you can do this, Shantae. And if you do fall, then you're going to get right back up and it'd be like a little little scratch, little bruise. And that was yes. my thought process even behind that um, that that caption. And um, I was riding my Peloton last night. And, uh, you know, Peloton um, is all about, like, inspiration and motivation. Yeah. And the instructor was kind of quoting uh, Kobe, just saying, like, you know, fear is not an option, but you must always finish the job, right? You must always finish the job. And that really resonated with me because um, – you know, it was like the end of the class. And I mean, we're all tired, but I think it's really easy to um, to correlate to your life, right? Where yes. when things get hard, it's like, okay, but I started this, so I must finish it. And that's something that I've adopted too. So falling and getting back up is equivalent to finishing the job that you started out. Like there are no quitters here, right? Yes. We're not we've come this far to say like, oh, F it. Um, I can't do this. This is too hard. Well, figure out how to get this done. And I hate when people say how to figure it out, like just figure it out, because it's no like tangible, like, like action items, but it's a mentality. Yes. Yes. Right. Like, what are you going to do? What, what extremes are you going to go to? What do you, what sacrifices are you going to make? Are you going to get up at six because you don't have the staff? Are you going to know that you have to work 12 hours? To close up whatever that is right whatever that task is um, are you not going to get you know your hair done your lashes done your nails done because that can be money to be and this is real yes. basic level, real talk yeah right? basic level stuff to then reinvest in your business um, so those are the things that I think about on a day-to-day and then also whatever decision that I'm going to make is standing in my decision And hey, you know what, somebody might have advised me to do something else, but this is what Shantae feels is right to do. And this is what we're going to do.
1: I think that's so important, especially in business, because people enter it and the part that you don't see in terms of all the glossy highlights is how much sacrifice you have to make for what you believe in, how you have to Stick within your gut, even when there's people who will tell you different things. And, you know, I'm a big believer in, like, brain trust. I'm all about having smart people around me that I trust. But at the end of the day, whenever you're running a business, like, you have to make a decision. Like, you have to make a decision. You have to hold that decision. And to your point, you have to stand in that decision. And that's where it's like the extremes. <laughs> I, I sometimes say psychologically damaging. It's like the extremes of being an entrepreneur and those decisions when ultimately it comes, you know, it comes down to you and talk about, I mean, you started black Girl sunscreen in 2016. You then raised a million dollars. You became a unicorn in target in the indie beauty space. Talk about that decision to even, Take capital like that's a that's such a big thing that as
0: entrepreneurs we we talk about. So uh, 2016 Black Girl Sunscreen started with one SKU. And I think that's major, major, majorly important because, um, it, you know, some some brands start with like 10 SKUs. Right. And to do it with one SKU, even today, that's our hero SKU that is killing it. Number one sunscreen selling in Target to date, even during the winter. So Q1, you know, smashed it. And um, so, so just starting with one product and, you know, changing the narrative around um, the perception of wearing sunscreen is probably one of our biggest challenges today, but something that we're still really, really proud of. Um, So then fast forward to December of 2019, uh, we came to a point where, you know, my back was against the wall. And I think that this can happen with um, a lot of entrepreneurs, if you will, where you don't, again, you don't necessarily have a full out plan. You don't really even know what it takes to raise capital because if you don't have a circle that is talking about that, or even know somebody that has gone through that, you don't even know what that looks like, sounds like, or feels like, right? So, um, it comes to a point where you're like, Oh crap, like I've exhausted all my resources, what do I do next? And it was when somebody saw the financials of Black Girl Sunscreen, it was like, Oh my gosh, girl, you're killing it, and I was like, Oh. <laughs> I was like really like because you don't know like what do you have to compare it to like I don't know what's good or what's bad or what is the potential that someone will be interested in this right and um, I was like oh okay cool. So um I started just um, to prepare decks and to to have conversations with folks because that's really what the raise is about is conversation after conversation being introduced to that person, then being introduced to the next person, right. So finally we were introduced to that right person and um, it took several conversations and um, when the process got real, it got really stressful for me um, in the sense of okay, So you have this person that's coming in with um, the coins, but do you want this person to make decisions for you? Do you want this person in your day-to-day? Do you even like this person? And um, for me, I would want to throw my candles against the wall for many days, just going back and forth on, you know, do do we do this raise and do we do it with a particular partner? Um, because there's a mentality like, oh, I've been doing this for the last four years. I just need I just need financial help. I don't. I want to do this by myself. So that was really my journey um, on on the investment piece. It was uh, a learning experience, and I'm still learning to this day because C day is is really. Um, and I and you can't lose concept of raising money because that amount is not a baby amount, but it's also a small amount. When you look at hundred million raises, you know fifty million raises, you're like, ooh, that's some real cash right there, right? How do I get to that level? And those processes are even more invasive. So I will say that, um, you know, being able to to do that has been um, just kind of like a checkpoint in the business. Like, okay, we've we've done this. It was needed. Um, My back was against the wall because at some point, like you don't you can't continue to put your money in the business. Right. Like you, you need to separate things. And that's where we were at at that point. Just I wouldn't say desperate, but kind of. Um, however, it's allowed us to scale tremendously um, because when you have um, big POs coming in, like it's it's a circle, it's a cycle. You need to be able to fill um, these these POs. Um, you can't. You are no longer no longer a solopreneur. You need a team to help you execute these things. from a fulfillment standpoint to brand awareness, marketing, you know, the back end and accounting. So, you know, the, the raise was extremely helpful.
1: Yeah, I you know, I'm so glad to hear you talk about that cuz I think even feedback that we get from our from our listeners is really understanding that process. And it goes back to I'm going to read a headline and she raised that, but there's so much that goes into it. I mean, and I I totally, you know, running a consumer a consumer products business, it's, it's we're constantly in this. Someone yesterday was like, we're sold out of this. And I'm like, all right, we got to look at the financial model because the POs are great, but we still have to be able to get our inventory. And it, it always, you get to this place and it's like the cash financing. Things are like running and running. And then it's like, I need cash. And people don't understand that whenever you go into the Ulta's and the Targets, like you still have so much that you have to do. And I've been having these conversations with Target with their Fast Forward, their Founders Forward program and their Accelerator program, just in the sense of like, what are you going to do? You want to bring these brands in, but the long-term success of these brands depends on how much are they paying for gondola particulars and advertising and having the right product. And there has to be a long-tail commitment from the retailers to also support that narrative, because to your point, you're raising a million and then there's the, the growth is then fueled. And then you go to series B, you go to series C and you're raising these amounts and you have to stop and think like, what am I raising for? What is this going to do? What is my outcome of the business going to be? But it's so important in those stages to ask those questions that you ask. Like, I love it. You're like, do I even like this person? Because you're now in business, you can still run it and you can still have control, but there is somebody on the other side who is, you know, in my experience, looking at the numbers, that is still now part of your business.
0: Yeah, and they also have a different perspective, right? So we're not talking about mine particular. We're just talking about the investment world versus the entrepreneur world. You might not always be aligned, right? Because their motivation is the the acquisition or the exit, right? Yes. And, and how do we get you there in a really, I would say, a fast time, a uh, you know, a, a you know, trajectory. So um, I think that's important that entrepreneurs are, are, are not talking about. Um, and what I would encourage someone that is thinking about investment is hopefully we're not waiting to the last minute. Right. Like the fire alarm has been pulled that you are thinking in advance and just able to take your time um, and then to get the best deal from where you sit. Possible because when you're desperate, you may not get the best deal and not to just say like, OK, well, this person is willing to make take the risk on our business. Now, you probably have a strong business and you just might need that confidence because as we can see, um, female led and minority led um, businesses are not really getting the capital that we deserve because um, we're out here killing the game. Um, breaking barriers and working really, really hard, um, and that's not what, what's what's being acknowledged in in that space. So um, that would be my my advice to anyone that's looking to raise. Just just take your time if you can.
1: One conversation begets another conversation. That's I think too as an entrepreneur with time. You know, I I built my my first company and my second company. Based upon relationships and you never know, it's like, I always have to find time to have these conversations with people because you never know what conversation is going to lead to the relationship. That's going to lead to the three conversations that actually close something for you. And I, I love how you said that too. It's like, take your time, have the conversation and then really you can kind of figure out what's best for you and what you want and how you want that relationship to evolve, especially if you want to run the day-to-day like there's running of the business, being the founder of the business and ultimately understanding where you want to be in that paradigm so that your investor can match how you want to be positioned in your business is so important.
0: Hella. (laughs) (laughs) I, I can't.
1: Okay, but well before, I know we're going to close in time, but we have to talk about um, the education around sunscreen for melanin skin. And it is, girl, it is so important. I remember in high school, I went with the church and there were very few of us. This is in Abilene, Texas. And we went to Colorado to go skiing. And people were like gobs and gobs of sunscreen. And I was like, I don't really need that. I had the worst sunburn. My face hurt. It pilled and pilled and it was like guard. And I, from that moment on, I was like, you have to wear sunscreen. You have to wear sunscreen. Like anybody who knows me knows I'm all about sunscreen on my daughter, on this. And so many of my Black female friends are like, girl, why are you always putting on sunscreen everywhere we go? And I love, like so many people are starting businesses, right? And it's hard to find the white space in the market. And the reason I jump up and down about your product is because you solved the problem that nobody cared about for Black people, which is why we couldn't walk around. I couldn't have my child with the chalky skin. But then there's the education piece that people think that black don't crack, but there's all these nuances, and so I get so jazzed up when I read or hear you talk about the education of of black girl sunscreen. So tell us the, the tell us the truth.
0: I will, but first of all, you were uh, going skiing, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a story within itself. I. <laughs> I enjoy skiing and I'm usually the only chocolate drop on yes. the damn mountain. Another story, but um, <laughs> we'll do that
1: <laughs> later in our, in our adventures. We'll do an adventure podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but the education um, just comes from the lack of edu- education, if you will. And, um, you know, let me ask you this. Do you, do you consider yourself an entrepreneur or a businesswoman, Or do you see, do you think they're one in the same?
1: So that's a really good question. So I consider myself to be an entrepreneur. Well, the mantra that I've been working, kind of the theme I've been working on is the mindset of an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur, but I'm a business architect. And the reason I look at it that way is because to be a business executive, I can run a business, whether it's my business that I started or whether it's a business that someone has brought me into that I don't own but that I'm an employee of, or whether I'm sitting as an advisor or a board member, at the end of the day, I'm a business person. Like, I know business. I love business. I thrive in business. But I also have this unique skill set because I've started my career working in a company, but building a business within the confines of a company I understand what that looks like. I understand how you have to talk to higher ups. It's what you said, like the people ahead and all these places around you. But I'm also an entrepreneur. I've built and sold two companies, and so I think that that's important. But at the end of the day, I consider myself a business leader.
0: Yeah, same. Look at you. You're like, let me. Well, do this. because it's going to tie into you know um, really penetrating that white space, and again, in my mindset of leaving. Newburgh, New York, to be bigger, to be something bigger than I thought I could ever be. Right. And yes, going to traditional, you know, four year university, then a two year graduate, and then working in corporate America, that's all regular shit. Right. So coming over here to LA is like and you know what it's like, well, you're from Texas. So LA has a vibe, and I think only people from um, that are transplants understand this vibe that yes. there's a like, creativity kind of like in the air, right? But being from New York, it's a different hustle. We're quick thinkers, like yes. we're on the go, right? But here it's just like la 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 la. <laughs> Right. And and that's great because that's what I was afforded when I just came here for a wedding. And I was like, oh, my gosh, the vibes are so dope here. I would love it here. And of course, when you're just, you know, visiting the pier and you're in Santa Monica, you're just getting this dreamy kind of, you know, L.A. vibes. But then you really move into wherever you're going to move. And you're like, OK, th- this is this. Yeah. Is- <laughs> But with with that being said, you know, um, um, the vision of Black Girl Sunscreen came from me just always being like going out hiking. I was a woman of the sun prior to LA because I lived in Miami and I was traveling before I I, I came to LA. But that really solidified me loving to be outdoors. And because I have uh, a, a diverse group of friends They would always encourage me, like, hey, put on this sunscreen. And I'd be like, nah, chill. You got me looking out. You got me looking crazy out here. Not going to that barbecue unless there's an awning or there's some shade, right? And then also, I'm a dark-skinned woman. So for me, it was a complexion issue, right, where I've totally embraced who I am today. But back then in 2016, I don't know, like, melon and popping wasn't really a thing. Black girl magic wasn't really a thing. It was just kind of like, yeah, you want to be light skin or brown skin, not dark skin, right? So how did you combat that? You didn't really go in this in the sun. And that's why there's a lot of um vitamin D deficient black people out here, right? Because they're not getting that that sunlight. But um, but yeah, so I jumped on Google one day and was just like, hey. Um, let me put in some keywords, you know, sunscreen for uh, ethnic skin, sunscreen for black girls, brown girls, whatever. It just came up extremely shorthanded and underwhelmed, uh, if you will. And I said, OK, well, this is clearly a problem. But this is the business side of Shantae, right? Because I've, I've been the entrepreneur um, for two companies OK, where it, it was such an entrepreneur that they actually would say, like, hey, you're running this business. This is your business. This is your territory, whatever. Right. So I had the mindset of, "Ooh, how do you get money? So when I saw that there was this white space or problem, it was, OK, can I do something about it? And then having the confidence to actually do something about it. That. And And once I had that confidence, it was, what are the next steps? How do you make a formula, a sunscreen formula? How much money do I need? And why aren't there any other black companies that are in this space? This is weird. Well, do black girls want sunscreen? I can't be the only black girl that wants to protect her skin, right? I can't, I can't be. And um, that's something else that I had to talk myself into like, okay, are more than just my friends and family gonna buy? And you know, your friends and family don't buy anyway. They want the shit for free. So there was a lot of positive self-talk that I had to get through, you know, in those in those beginning stages. Um, but the, the education piece uh, comes from like our day-to-day and um, understanding that I am my own customer, that I was that little black girl that was told to go outside and play um, sunscreen was never, ever brought up. It was never a word. I knew about it from my white counterparts that would spray it when they were going to camp or, you know, outside and they were turning red. And um, so for for my family, we would just use a baby, baby oil, frying out there, girl, frying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for, for sunscreen, if you will. And And I talk about that today because that's not... That's not adequate protection, right? So we're starting with the parents, right? We have um, a skew called BGS Kids, as you as you mm-hmm. saw, and um in, in my opinion, education starts with the youth. So how do we get to those parents and 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 change their mindset, right? Because they may not have worn sunscreen in their day, especially if if they might be our age. Like, hey, this is important for your young one to grow up. With this, um, with sunscreen just part of their life, part of their behaviors. So um, we talk about that on a on a day to day. Um, We're also in Alta Beauty, so um, we have a new set of eyes and ears on the brand um, from a different perspective, right? And from the Alta perspective, it is focusing on the cosmetic benefits. Hey, you know. preventing you know premature aging typically black people don't wrinkle our skin starts to sag well how do we maintain that that soft that um, softness um, but maintain that use how do we preserve our use? Mm-hmm. and um, wearing SPF allows that so um, there's so many different angles that we're um, having the conversation on on sun safety and the benefits of wearing um, SPF that you um, We're just taking it and we're running with it and and not looking back. However, we're willing to hold hands with our competitors because I think that we get further when there's more that's um, coming along with us, right? We just just happen to be talking to a demographic that has been ignored for decades and um, been ignored because, you know, sunburn never showed up on our skin um, immediately. Or because we are aging 15 years less or slower than our our counterparts, right? Our white counterparts. So we are out here like conveying the message like that's cool and all, but here's something to help you.
1: I just love that because it's so important. Like, you know, people talk about there's so many brands coming out and I just it's like there are, but when you can find that they're there that really changes the narrative and is backed by true changing the way that someone thinks or behaves that supports them. It's just, I, you know, and that's why I'm such a fan and I know we're, we're on time. I have two last things. You brought up women of the sun and I know that you got that trademark. That is your thing. I love, love, love. I think that it is so forward thinking and so smart and we always are thinking about where do we put our our money, right? And getting that trademark, I was like, yes, 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 yes. So just quickly tell us about Women of the Sun and what that means to you.
0: Yeah, a woman of the sun is someone that um, embraces who she is. Um, and um, that woman may love to travel and be outdoors, um, but she also exudes the shine within her right because it doesn't always have to be you know I'm, I'm outside but it's about how you feel internally do you feel internally bright are you radiant and that's really what a woman of the sun is um accepting of her melanin her darkness her beauty and um you know for me it was more of a surface thing at first hey I, I like to be outside I like to bask I like to, I'm not afraid I accept it all like me it all right and the sun gives you energy so like this woman of the sun also gives energy to people in the room so we thought that it would be great for everyone that is you know aligned with the mission and vision in our movement to be women of the sun so it doesn't mean that you are traveling the world you don't have you may not have a passport fine but as long as you are accepting of your melanin, your color, you are proud of that, you are making people better on a day-to-day, um, then then you're, then you're that.
1: Oh, I, I love that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I always say, like, I, I believe, <laughs> we'll have to look at science, but I believe that you should be, for me, in the sun at least two hours within waking. And even if it's just to step outside of your house, be in the sun, take a deep breath, like I see the difference when I do and when I don't. And I love that it's the internal like bright. If you're not shining bright internally and if you don't radiate from that place, then it's hard to externally live in the light. So I love that. And our last question, we always close the show with asking our guests, what is one product that our listeners need to know and you know my products for you was black girl sunscreen because you know i've got it all over my house if there's another product or it can be your own that you want to share
0: um you know i've been really focusing on um supporting black-owned businesses because um i'll be honest i really wasn't on that wave before right it was just kind of like i just bought what i liked um but what i'm noticing is that there are so many um black business owners that are putting out solid products and um, providing great services that I want to support. Uh, so most recently, um, I did a photo shoot and um, the brand label, don't know if you've heard of them before, but they have these fabulous dresses. Um, they uh, sent a dress to me and I mean, I, I felt amazing in it. Um, I also have a Ken sweatshirt. Um, and, uh, excuse me on this because I had to really like drop some confidence to wear this top, but it was a crop top hoodie. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm too old to even wear this. And <laughs> but I figured it out. I wore like a high-waisted skirt with it. It was super dope. Um, so K-I-N, Kin is another brand that I think is, you know, worth just getting some attention. And then, um, the wrap, um, the wrap brand, um, they do head ties. Um, So there are just so many brands that um, I love Uh, for skincare. I love Jack's organics. Um, They have a really just really lightweight toner that I use daily Um, and I can keep plugging, but there's not one in particular brand. that I'm like, okay, you have to check this out. There are just so many women out there that are working tirelessly to get their product um, at the forefront and I'm a supporter.
1: I absolutely love that. I feel the same way. Like in turn, I have such a keen eye on black owned businesses and I love how you're just like, there's so many. And to me, that's the future, right? When we can say there's so many black owned businesses coming out right now that are doing dope things. Like it just, it warms my heart, my soul. It gives me hope for what is to come for all of us and like creating this pathway. So you are in my mind, you were leading the path. I am so honored to have you here. Thank you. We got to have a longer conversation and I, I still appreciate you. I wish you so much more continued success and I'm excited for what's to come. I'm excited for my products. Literally, I have, four meetings or something, but they're all calls coming up. And so I actually am putting this on and I'm going to take them as walking meetings. So.
0: Well, Kendra, we need to send you our um, most recent launch, which is make it matte. So, I mean, if you're an avid um, sunscreen wearer, I think you need to try this out because this is just for the face mattifying and it serves as a primer. I think it'd be perfect for you. Um, so we'll send you a, um, you know, it's it's very limited, very exclusive, ma'am. Oh so, I know,
1: I was, there was the wait list and everything.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, we're gonna send you uh we'll send you a um a bottle.
1: Oh my gosh. You've like made it. I've I've made it, I've made it, I've made it. Absolutely please send. Uh. Thank you again, Shantae. What an amazing conversation. I am inspired. I loved your products going into it. I love them even more. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And every week I share an influencer on checking out. Make sure to follow at Black Girl Sunscreen. Um, thanks to Shantae for inspiring that. So make sure you follow at Black Girl Sunscreen. And as always, I want to leave you with one thing from today's guest and that is fear is not an option. You must always finish the job. So what job do you need to finish where fear is holding you back? And with that, follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Don't miss an episode. See you next week.
0: Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, coordinating producer Lauren Turner, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson and Celessa Baker, edited by Fishmar Creative, executive producers Ken Johnson, Andrew Kalb, and Omar Thompson. Find Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon, Radio.com, or where you get your podcast. Please follow, subscribe, and Rate Us. Business of the Beat is a Say It Loud Network production.
1: So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out